like it's reasonable. really cute. Yeah, I mean the the feel of the set is pushed really, really hard. Just the whole it is clue concept is it's it's strong. It's present. I like it. It makes the a lot of the set feel cool. Yeah, but it doesn't translate to honestly. I kind of prefer sets being like this rather than Wildsville Drain. I guess. Mm-hmm. where some of the cards are just rate monsters and it's just i'm i don't want to see this <laughs> yeah why are why are all my spells for you at this format and jam it i don't i don't understand <laughs> but at the same time my number one card for green is pick your poison so you know <laughs> I, I think you know we well, can do yeah, that's because that's that's realistic yeah i think the coolest cards in the set delny insidious roots cryptic coat mm-hmm. I, I really like those cards and they yeah. are one of the only one of those plays into the set mechanic but it's like cool mm-hmm. it Two doesn't work do. like all the other equipment What's i would say one? what does delny do well the the power two or less is like a main it's at least a main limited theme it doesn't have a cute name it doesn't count <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> like and it's not be. nearly as, as flavorful as collect evidence right i guess we should get going because yeah because it's going to take these a things minute. always take forever Welcome to episode 330 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. We are your hosts. I'm Chris Castor-Rappel. With me is Lee McLeod. Hi, Lee. Hi, Chris. You ready to talk about, for the very first time, uh, whatever the set is? <laughs> Murders Markov at Karlov Manor. Manor. Karlov Manor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody keeps doing that, and I don't really know. I, I think it, like... The couple of people that started doing it like incepted everybody else, and now no, everybody. It, I, I, everyone's a big commander player, myself included, of course. Mm-hmm. And as we all know, Edgar Markov is one of the best commanders ever printed. So that's just on my mind constantly. Edgar Markov, not Soren Markov. That's not the no one Edgar. That's on your Edgar mind. Markov's the good one. I know that. I know he's the good one, but Soren Markov is the one that's actually like a character in the storyline and has shown up on more than two cards. Edgar Markov is also a character in the original Innistrad storyline as well. He's the first vampire. But Soren's the one that put Nahiri into a... a, Or Soren's the one that that got put into a a rock by Nahiri, right? Like, that's the the whole story. Like, there's a lot more going on. It's the other way around. Wait, he puts Nahiri into a rock? Yes. (laughs) Okay. And then... Wait, what did Nahiri do? Oh yeah, she she broke open the hell vault. Isn't that is that what happened? No, that's what Liliana that's, did. That's what Liliana did. What did I don't Nahiri know if you're do? allowed to take some story superiority line when you don't know the story. I don't I just know that <laughs> Soren's been on a lot more cards than Edgar. <laughs> that is true. He is a planeswalker. <laughs> Anyways, we're gonna talk about MKM. Uh we're not gonna talk about the fact that there will be two Lord of the Rings-sized universes beyond sets every year starting in 2025. We're, we're not going to talk a, about that. That's a 2025 problem. That's that's a that's a difficulty for future versions of us to deal with. Right. That's future Lance CCR's problem. <sighs> Those poor we're bastards. also not going to take time to talk about the RC in Denver because no time. And modern is kind of boring. It sucks. 
Um, we didn't really need a proactive leyline deck to to come in and be the thing. We'll circle back on that when we go to the you know whenever we bring up multicolored cards because leyline's definitely on my list. Mm-hmm. Mine too. All right. Well, should we start with white? Yeah. Do you want me to start? Sure. Let me pull up Scryfall so I can read cards out. I'm probably just gonna keep it more casual, not read the exact text of the cards a lot of the time for expediency. But my number five in white is Unyielding Gatekeeper, which is a one and a white, three, two elephant cleric. It's got disguise. Uh, you can flip it up for one and a white. And when it is flipped up, you can exile target non-land permanent. If you controlled it, uh, it gives return to the battlefield tapped. So it's like a flicker on your own thing. But if your opponent controlled it, they get a 2-2 blue and white detective, and the thing you exiled goes away permanently. I don't know how you would put this guy in a disguise. Um, It's impressive, because it is an elephant. <laughs> and he's dressed as a cleric in, in the art. He's not wearing a disguise in the art. I don't... I don't really understand the flavor of disguise. Mostly. It's fine because some of the flavor on the the Loxodons are is incredible. Like there's one card in green. It's some common that like gets vigilance, but the picture is just like a Loxodon eating dinner at like a cafe around people, and the flavor of the card is he's just, he's all ears. He he can just hear everything that's going on, and there's people like in the background talking to him. And he's like, oh, I've got my big giant elephant ear here. Now that's how you design a card concept. Yeah. But but this elephant. <laughs> this elephant. It's just like a solid role-playing standard white creature. Like it's in that Brew Cathar Skyclave apparition role with you know sideways utility, along with Werefox Bodyguard. I think Werefox Bodyguard's still the best at this type of thing, because it's got mm -hmm. flash. That's a really good keyword. Yeah. And uh, Brutal Cathar is a human and big and stuff. Yeah, but this is a neat one if there's something you want to address that those cards can't, like non-creature permanence. This actually kills enchantments like War Leader's Call or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can do some sideways flicker synergy if that's a thing your deck can handle, which I don't... Maybe it can. Like, Delny exists, but it's mostly just a piece to be aware of. Not all the white cards or any of the cards really all the way down to five are going to be bangers. So I, I like putting some role players down at the bottom of the list. Yeah, this one seems fine. I think it's like reasonably likely it'll see little to no play in standard, but it it, it could serve a role. Yeah, and in the same line, I've got 10th District Hero at number four, which is the figure of Destiny analog in this set, allowing a white deck to actually use its graveyard. <laughs> so this is a one and a white, two, three human, so good stats. And it's just vanilla from there. It's got a bunch of abilities to level it up, but it has no like any keywords. Uh, you can pay two and collect evidence two uh, to make it a four-four detective with vigilance. Once it's a detective, you can pay three and collect evidence four, and then it becomes a legendary creature uh, with power and toughness five five five, and it gains other creatures you control gain have indestructible. This is just one of the long entries in the line of. Do we have a playable two drop in white for, you know, <laughs> standard pioneer decks that are trying to do something? And this is like kind of a neat one. It allows you to use your graveyard. Its stats aren't horrible. 
I, again, like the gatekeeper, I don't think it'll do anything really, but it is a it is a pretty nice card. Yeah, for what it's worth. The bar is relatively low for two drops, and this this might get over it. But yeah, it's it's nothing special. And collect evidence, collecting evidence can be kind of difficult to do in a lot of the decks that you would kind of want this in. But right, you, you you like play it early, and then they kill your stuff, and eventually you, you get a, a five five that makes everything indestructible. So they have sure. to kill a five five first, and then or you activate this thing and collect evidence too, and they cast cut down in response and. Yeah, and question all your choices. Forever. Yeah, but luckily you're probably not collecting evidence until like turn four or five. So hopefully yeah. they've run out of cut downs. Yep. Number three for me was Doorkeeper Thrall, our little hate bear for this set. Another another one in a white uh, creature thrall one two with flash and flying and artifacts and creatures entering the battlefield do not cause abilities to trigger. Thank you for not putting lands on this one. I appreciate that. You don't want another like Lotus Field. No, we don't. We don't need another guy for Lotus Field. Yeah, this is just a hate bear. I think it's fine. It sucks that it's not a two one because then it would actually be a proactive good card to have. It is two sided, so you can't like cheat on it the way you can some other ones. I like um, Drath Magistrate. Right. The the one two part of it actually makes it more relevant for standard. I think in a like. Because its job is like making all of the bats in your opponent's deck really bad, regardless of the, if they come down like before or after this thing. Sure. Like when I've played against like the blue white deck that just is playing four doorkeeper thralls, and I've I was just like, yeah, I guess I gotta side out all my deep cavern bats because they're just really bad <laughs> if they have a single doorkeeper thrall. Is gloomkeeper bat like that's I'm not gloomkeeper bat? Is doorkeeper thrall that good in standard right now? I don't, I don't think so, but that's like the one being a one two is like relevant for that reason over being like a two one is all I'm saying. I don't think it's yeah. like particularly good in, in standard, and I don't think that like four doorkeeper thrall Azorius deck is like actually a good deck. Yeah, I don't think so either. I think it's mostly just a heat bear that shuts off artifacts and creatures and it has flash. You can yeah. tutor for it in the formats that have creatures that allow you to do that. Yep. Yep, and having flash is like a very good thing to put on a hate bear like this because you can, you know, respond to a collected company that they thought was going to do something and make most of their cards not work or whatever. It makes or they play a mind stone and the weak stone and you get them. Yes, um, it makes like Amalia really struggle to go off right because their their soul wardens don't gain life anymore and stuff. It yeah, it has real application. Though if they have that life gain case. Doesn't stop that. <laughs> oh yeah, it does. Yeah, it, does, it, it does stops stop other abilities. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never mind. It doesn't stop if you're if you start going off with a food cracked from a gilded goose. That that'll. Yeah, there we that'll go. That'll get you. Or an attack off of a bat. Right. Number two is one of the cases I like the most. Of this set now that this set's been out for like two weeks, basically. Yeah, of. this is a late sort of set review, but this is when we were able to do it. So I've been able to have some experience with these cards, and I, I really like Case of the Getaway Express, which is one in a white. When it enters the battlefield, choose a creature you don't control. Each creature you control deals one damage to that creature. So it's like the, the white fight cards we've seen, like Kopira, Takedown, and, and so on. Uh, but it's also a case, so if you want to solve it, you have to attack with three or more creatures this turn, and it solves it in a turn. 
And once it's solved, creatures you control get plus one, plus zero. So this card does quite a lot for two mana. <laughs> it does. It's really, it's just straight up good in the Convoke deck. And I think it, it's really hard to fit removal into a deck like that. And this slots in really nicely. And I've been impressed by it. I think it's just good. Yeah, it's really nice. It it comes down because the creature, and then it just flips. Sometimes I've seen people play it just to get the plus one plus zero on their next turn, and it's really good at just setting up lethal along with this and the uh, war leader's call. Yep, 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 yep. Convoke a deck that will certainly be around for you know the next month or so while standard's still relevant at least. And it's it's very easy to kill a deep cavern bat with it. You know, like if. I- even if you're on the draw, you played a one drop, they play a bat and they can either take your case or they can take one of your enablers. But it's like, yeah, your turn, your turn two can just be case to kill the bat and you, you put them in a obnoxious spot. Like this card, I, I think, is just quite good. Mm-hmm. And my number one is my favorite white card. I don't know if it's necessarily the best, but it's Delny Streetways Lookout. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is two and a white for a legendary two two human scout. Creatures you control with power two or less can't be blocked by creatures with power three or greater. And if an ability of a creature you control with power two or less triggers, that ability triggers an additional time. I I, I just kind of really like this card. Yeah, it's cool as hell. I uh, there's not a lot obvious to do with it right now, and it might scale back into Pioneer a little better than it is in Standard right now because a, lo- a lot of the Standard white decks, at least at time of recording, are very murder focused like they're gonna kill you super fast <laughs> they're not gonna like wait around the dirtle with delnir or whatever right there's also no collected company in standard so hey there's several bad collected companies in standard that's true you there is there is kaya's whatever the rest of the name of that card is kayla's reconstruction kayla's there's reconstruction. also yeah, the one thing. in this set that like disguises creatures yeah that one is worse yeah, <laughs> kayla's obviously. reconstruction is where it's at with delnir but Dolly's card I really like, and it lets you kind of cheat your some of the triggers you would only get once a turn. Mm-hmm. Like you can't double anything that says this only triggers once, like welcoming vampire. But it can cheat other stuff that you would normally trigger once per turn. Like um I'm thinking of the spirit from Kaldheim that on your second spell you get a creature. So oh, because it doesn't yeah. say you can only trigger once, you can double up its trigger. Gotcha. But, but it naturally is only ever going to trigger once. And you can cheat triggers Right, like that. or anything that triggers on your end step or whatever will trigger yeah, exactly. an extra time. Yeah. And then obviously it's good with like every single creature that anybody has ever put into play off of a collected company. Um, yeah, of course. Like, you know, your... Your gooses, your okay. wild growth walker. <laughs> <laughs> uh maybe not so much your skyclave apparitions because that that is funny but you know your knights of autumn reflector your reflector mages it's very good with reflector mages um as long as you don't have a lord out that that's the funny thing though if you have a lord in play when you do that but you know the main lord for reflector mages is thalia thalia's lieutenants anyways and uh thalia's lieutenant is really good with delney yeah once <laughs> Well, that's that once is all you need. That's true. This the double lieutenant is pretty nuts. Yeah. Kind of fitting it into Delny into this curve at all though is pretty tricky. Yeah. Pretty I mean I player. wonder if just like mono white humans with collected company is like a scary thing potentially now. So I don't know. We can I think you can build it. I'm 
typically going to be a fan of cutting collected company from any deck that wants to play it because i think right, the card's not right. very good sure <laughs> but i think there's definitely some stuff you can do with delany and I, I like the card a lot me too my number five is wojek investigator this is two and a white for a two four angel detective with flying and vigilance and at the beginning of your upkeep investigate once for each opponent who has more cards in hand than you this is just a like a pretty nicely sized body that makes up for i assume that any deck that you're putting this into is good at getting cards out of its hand and then those clues you don't necessarily have to use to draw cards like if you're doing artifacty stuff sacrificing them to like the relic of the dust rose or whatever tapping um, them to a thousand moon smithy yeah any of that stuff you know it's i don't expect this to see a ton of play but it's you know, two four flying vigilance is difficult to attack through, and it comes in for damage. And if it's making clues, then that's pretty decent. Yeah, I don't really have any problems with this card. I think it failed to make my list because I don't think you're making clues very often with this card, <laughs> or uh, you're not winning. I, I think it depends on what you're. I, I think you can construct your deck so that it's like reasonable to expect to, but yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of tough because you pass the turn and then your opponent knows like oh i guess i'll just try to get cards out of my hand or you know or whatever play their cards out and it, yeah. it doesn't work in some matchups but then it's a two four if they're like attacking a bunch but a two four flying vigilance is not good enough on its own it's like i think there's a lot going on with this card that yeah is interesting but yeah. not like a slam dunk i mean it's no novice inspector no, I, I intentionally left that card off my list because otherwise it would just like take the slam dunk first spot. It's it's yep. just a reprint. Yeah. Um, my number four is Case of the Gateway Express. You know, I think that this is clearly great in standard convoke and could easily find spots in other white go wide decks over time and maybe even outside of standard possibly because just removal spell that gives you real bonus upside as the game goes on is is a powerful effect for creature decks my number three is doorkeeper thrall you know two mana flash hate bear is just gonna see play and you know it'll pop up in stuff like you know it'll pop up in a legacy sideboard at some point too that's just the type of card that this is the number two is delny streetwise lookout i agree this is one of the coolest cards in the set and i i, I keep being unable to visualize an actual 60 with delny in it but I do keep visualizing specific interactions. That's like, yes, I want that to happen. So I, I'm into it. And then my number one, I just went ahead and put Novice Inspector on there because it's the best white card in the set. And it's it makes Pioneer Convoke much better, but in a way that doesn't solve any of its actual problems and probably yep. doesn't make it particularly more playable. It's just like, if it ever gets to a point where the deck is well positioned again then the deck is stronger and more consistent but it does enable standard boros convoke to exist which maybe it shouldn't but it definitely exists and it's definitely good so yeah it's a good deck also i, I just like uh, novice inspector a lot it's a card that's very fun to play with very very feels good kind of like all around like until your opponent makes three goblins with the clue or whatever but you know I think it's that's mostly like Gleeful Demolition is the problem and Novice Inspector is a fine card to have in standard and it will be in a bunch of decks that are significantly less obnoxious than than Convoke. 
yeah like i'm 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 also cool with you know novice inspector and a warden because that's neat interaction yeah. too it's that doesn't quite kill you as fast as gleeful demolition no you still drop. have time to find a cut down the the next turn or whatever and but yeah when it's all of these things together then the deck starts getting a little like okay this is 85 percent of a pioneer deck that i'm playing against in standard right now like the only reason i'm beating it is that the mana base sucks like that's the only reason i like most of the times i win is because the lands are bad <laughs> On to blue. On to blue. Blue was kind of hard for me. I don't know. I'm curious what you ended up with. Okay. So my number five is Steam Core Scholar. Oh, good. <laughs> this is two and a blue for a 2-2 two, two Flying Vigilance. When it ETBs, draw two cards, then discard two cards, unless you discard an instant or sorcery card or a creature card with flying, which is, a, you know, a pretty significant... <laughs> subgroup of the cards that are in your deck it's a body with looting on it it can be a draw to discard one attached to a body it goes really well with like helping hand or other unearth type effects although there's only so many three mana creatures you can put into a deck before it like collapses under its own weight and becomes like wildly unplayable but you know it's a guy that does looting looting is good I don't know where it goes, but it's it's kind of nice. And then the flying on the body makes it significantly better, I think, than the two one with Eternal Eyes that did that you know drew cards. Champion of Wits. Champion of Wits. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite cards. Yeah, I, I love that card too. But I think that this generally is going to do a better job in constructed formats of doing the thing than Champion of Wits. And Champion of Wits, I mean, Champion of Wits had like specific things that it was doing with like God Pharaoh's gift and stuff. But if any of that is going on, then this is kind of a nice option for that. Yeah, I, this card was so close to making my list. It didn't mm -hmm. uh, because I was I was thinking about Champion of Wits. And I'm like, I think Champion of Wits is just so much better because you can being able to utilize your graveyard in this kind of like churn mm -hmm. is really important and this card doesn't do that just by itself that doesn't like disqualify it from being playable or anything it just makes it a little worse to me well the, the front side i think is potentially like a lot better than champion of wits but yeah, yeah flying the, vigilance is huge yeah also i don't really have anything bad to say it's like a pretty good glue card mm -hmm. it's just a little over costed usually right you want your glue cards to be your your two mana cards not your three mana cards your three mana cards you're starting to get into payoff territory right yeah exactly so if there's some cool stuff we can do that you know with steam core scholar as one of those glue cards i'm, I'm down yes but uh that stuff needs know. to show up like we don't really right. have it yet and in blue too like it, it's not trivial also i do really like this card because the flavor like it's a storm cloud it's also a detective mm -hmm. I and know. It, it, it still has a little hat yep yep i have been informed that a couple of the detectives don't have silly little hats which i think is a, a big miss if they're gonna go hard enough like if that, this like, card has a hat it's, yeah. it's literally a living storm cloud it's a weird <laughs> that's like the only clothes it's wearing is a silly little detective hat if ezrim the archon like the unbeatable UU white white five five flyer like if that thing has a silly little hat then why doesn't this one like three two or whatever have a silly little hat come on yeah 
It looks like Steam Core Scholar is like kind of a cowboy. It looks like he has a holster. That's his other yeah. piece of clothing. He's got a little Thunder Junction vibe to him. Yeah, even though he's, you know, made of lightning. So And Just... and summoning some sort of ball lightning, yeah. My number four is Reenact the Crime. This is a cryptic command mana for an instant exile target non-land card in a graveyard that was put there from anywhere this turn. Copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. You know, just a really cool card that inspires deck building dreams. There is, you know, a version of the deck that exists in standard that I don't think is there yet, but can legitimately win games. Like there's a build with Cruelty of Gix and uh, this combined with Breach the Multiverse and Conspiracy Unraveler and Atraxa. Like there just are these windows that like open up where you just win the game on the spot. And this is like part of that package and it will be a thing that people try to build around in various formats for a long time because it does a neat thing. Yeah. I wish it was a little more castable. Like this card was two UU. You could see a lot more experimenting with it. It's yeah. The fact that it's triple blue is, is wild. It makes it very difficult to fully realize its potential because it is, it does have strong text on it. Yeah, it's just like a lot of setup. I I like this card too. One of the like really nice things that works with it is Kaido is just just lines up so perfectly because you play it on turn three, and then it phases out so your opponent can't get rid of it, and then you go to your turn and you just loot and reenact the crime. It's just a terrifying threat for your opponent to have to be like, is there a way for me to? How do I disrupt this? What do I do? And and that's a really nice one-two punch yeah I, I do also really like this card with conspiracy unraveler the uh the sphinx that lets you cast stuff for free yes yeah i, I think that's definitely the thing that it's doing in standard at least for a while mm-hmm. uh, my number three is deduce this is one in a blue for an instant draw a card investigate you know four words of rules text and we have a card that like i'm excited to play in pioneer so good good job on this one i'm i'm into this design yeah this is just a good card like we we are old enough to have played with think twice and standard although standard legal yeah like two times Uh, yeah yeah twice it's a lot more playable the first time around but way more playable the first time around well i mean i played it the second time yeah (laughs) forbidden alchemy and Nefalia drown yard but like the card is just kind of a workhorse for decks that can turtle or in some cases like in pioneer creativity it mm-hmm. gives you artifacts and you don't have to play that god awful secrets of the key card yes yeah so you can creativity off of it even in standard there's that counter spell that lets you tap an artifact to reduce its cost by Disruption one protocol yeah yeah it's good and I, I you know just playing deduce with it is like not necessarily enough to put disruption protocol into your deck but if you have anything else you know something else gets printed or whatever that that is along the same lines then you know that's a nice like like there's more there's always more things that you can do with a clue than just crack it to draw a card and this card gets better the more stuff like that is playable i've also seen people start playing it in blue white control and pioneer just start playing around with it in that space yep I think people will be iterating a lot on Blue Eye Control and Pioneer. Yeah, the, the only, coming season. The only thing 
that like makes it a little bit awkward in both like standard and pioneer blue white is that both of those decks really want to run just like a ton of main deck temporary lockdowns right now and this doesn't mm -hmm. curve into temporary lockdown it's not like the worst you don't you didn't lose out on cards if you need to deduce to find your second white source to cast the turn three lockdown like that's fine but slightly awkward yeah right my number two card is cryptic coat this is two and a blue for an equipment when it etbs you cloak the top card of your library then attach cryptic cloak to it equip creature gets plus one plus oh and can't be blocked and one in a blue return cryptic coat to its owner's hand I've played with and against this thing some it is fairly impressive in some games it doesn't really matter in some games it's the one card that matters so it's one of those like low floor high ceiling cards but at its core it's a creature that is unblockable and hard to target and then if the game goes long it's a mana sink that keeps giving you value you can stone forge for it in modern and it'll keep showing up it's fine it's it's not world breaking or anything like that though uh this card is world breaking mm. i <laughs> No, I'm, I'm not going to go that hard on it. <laughs> I, some comparisons have been made that I think are, uh, you know, a little exaggerated is all. This I'll is say. true name analysis right. 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I do like this card, though. It, it is my number one. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see what you have. But uh, I just think this card will see increasingly more play in standard if we can contain, if we can play blue decks that want to play Cryptica in the Convoke world we're currently in. Right. Uh, I think it's modern Stoneforge-ness stuff is cute and solid, but not fantastic. It's just like something you can do in the format. Well, you're never going to be casting Stoneforge Mystic as long as Leyline of the Guild Pack Rhinos is like atop the format, right? So... Things need to shift around a little bit to find space for this sort of gaming, but it is cute. But I, I do like it in standard when you're afforded the space of getting into the gameplay loop where you're like five mana, just mm -hmm. put another two two into play. Five mana, put another two two into play when you have just have nothing going on. Yeah, I mean, Which I played against happen. Demir Control, and I just they they didn't have a counter spell up, and I just cast it on turn three, and I was just like, I don't think there's any way for them to beat this card it's hard for them to stop it from just getting in for three a couple times over the next few turns and then even once they have like drawn some cards and you know played removal spells and played a sweeper i just like keep bouncing it and casting it and playing around soft counter magic with it and it just kept making two twos and yeah it's, it's strong it's good uh my number one card is conspiracy unraveler oh this okay. is sure Five and two blue for a six, six flying. You may collect evidence 10 rather than pay the mana cost for spells that you cast. I think this opens up some real nonsense shenanigans, particularly with Breach the Multiverse, where it just kind of like lets you basically mill your opponent out immediately uh, as long as Breach can get back something that probably finds another Breach. It'll be self-sustaining once you've cheated this into play. I, I don't know if the the version of the deck with the uh, hill giant that you can get back a spell with uh, if you... Uh, is this Organ Harvester? 
it's it's it like you can sacrifice it when it ETBs to to get back a spell. Uh, Doesn't ring a bell, but I believe it exists. Yes, it's it's not. I don't know because that card is really bad. I don't know if that's the way you want to do this. But anyways, Conspiracy Unraveler in certain types of decks does a very good impression of being a creature with the Omniscience text, and that's really really strong. Uh, it gives you a, a thing that you can cheat into play in smaller formats that actually like wins the game on the spot, unlike Atraxa or something, which is just like, here are cards, uh, hope, hope you can convert these and hope you're not just dead. Like Conspiracy Unraveler is mostly like, if you've set up your opponent, it's just dead. And uh, it, it takes work and not every, you can't just reanimate this and your opponent dies. You could reanimate this and have nothing and then you didn't do anything uh but the the upside and the power is there and it's been really impressive to watch some of these decks go off with it so i, I think this card has a future yeah I, I like this card a lot too for all the reasons you outlined i don't it doesn't really do anything else <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you cheated into play and then you your opponent dies probably mm -hmm. ideally if you've set up correctly right. but I, I do think it takes enough work for it it's not like you know when gristlebrand first came around and it's just like oh yeah whenever you cheat this in a play the game is just over it there's no way to beat it's like you did need to put in effort to make this happen i think it's a i think it's a cool design ready to go over my five yeah so my, i only have one guard different from you my number five is reenact the crime that's the blue reanimate thing i like that card i think it's very cool build around uh, skeptical about its power level but i really like it because of conspiracy raffler yeah uh, my number four mostly conspiracy raffler if i'm gonna be honest mm -hmm. my number four is forensic gadgeteer in line of cards i like uh this is two and a blue for two three it's of a dalkin artificer detective when you cast an artifact spell investigate and activated abilities of artifact you control cost one less to activate this effect can't reduce the mana to less than one so on its face, this card is A, way worse than Chrome Huff Sheet Strike, so whoops. But B, <laughs> <laughs> in the event you want to play both, which I have seen increasingly unhinged Pioneer and Standard decks try to play all of the uh, <laughs> Thousand Moon Smithy artifact cards. Okay. And they would want, they would appreciate extra material lying around. Uh, I think this card's kind of neat because the... The cards it gives you back are nice and the mana reduction for those kind of decks is really cool because that's those are the kind of decks that actually utilize power stones well i don't think this deck brings a house down or anything and it is so unfavorably compared to chromo seed shark it's not funny because chromo seed shark does yeah. just like so much more but if you're using the the cost reduction ability for more than just your clue sacrificing then this yeah like your seed shark yeah like flipping your seed shark tokens gold yeah, yeah. Just, you can't flip a whole army of those things with this card of turns. <laughs> that's true um on on the note of the thousand moon smithy decks i believe that there is a way to use thousand moon smithy in standard i don't believe that that way is playing like the most like clunky board control deck you can possibly imagine the most candy trail deck of all time i yeah <laughs> the and and in particular just like everything being so 
reactive and also reliant on having a mind stone in order to do anything at all. I cast a bat against one opponent and they revealed their hand and it was a saw blades depopulate depopulate and three glyph bridges. So I took the saw blades and then they just had five wraths in their hand. I attacked them twice for one damage, didn't play anything else into the wrath, and then they scooped. I don't think that this is how the decks should be built. Yeah, the real problem I have with the, the blue-white decks in both formats, I'll, I guess I'll go with standard, is that all of the blue-white decks are really incentivized to play temporary lockdown right now. Yeah. And that's a deck that just can't play temporary lockdown because your whole plan is predicated on putting these artifacts into play. And, and in fact, temporary lockdown is really good against you too yeah it's, that deck is really bad against opposing control decks because you're a board control deck that like is has poor matchups against other board control cards it's just yeah. it's not a place you want to be but i i would be interested in looking into reworking it so that you could play some of the more proactive cards like maybe you can play the inspector or warden and forensic gadgeteer and chromo seed shark in addition to like not a million rats, just like right. playing normal cards. Like I, I really do like spring loaded saw blades. I think that card's actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's just it loses a lot of its effectiveness when you like it sits on the board forever and doesn't really do anything. Right, but when you've gotten your opponent down to twelve and now you're threatening to flip your saw blades and it's actually gonna hit your opponent for a meaningful amount of damage, then you got to and, and you going. can and you can crew it so you can actually tap your other stuff if you mm-hmm. need to do that for disruption protocol or whatever. Yeah, because your your tapping artifacts like quota is not trivial unless you have <laughs> gadgeteer or chromo seed chart going for like a several turns. Yeah, it's yeah. one of the decks I like. I'm interested in exploring more in standard and I'm worried I'm not really going to have the time to. <laughs> sure. But I, I do agree that like a more proactive version of the artifact deck is way more exciting to me than the like, I have so many wraths in my 75 in the format where everybody's already playing around Sunfall in their deck building. Right. I, w- I would just rather play normal way control if that's what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. It's It was like very neat that someone one recently with the pioneer version of blue yeah. artifact board control but even in that format <laughs> i still find it hard to believe that not playing normal blue control is not going to be better yeah yeah for sure moving right along yeah, it's all repeats from here on off sure so my number three is conspiracy and raveler for reasons you listed earlier the card's just great it lost out to deduce which is my number two because i like it's uh, pioneer implications a little more mm-hmm. uh, and cryptic coat is my number one because i like the card a lot i don't regret putting it here i think it's pretty nice and standard and i like that it sees plan modern and kind of hope that continues but not holding my breath yeah yeah i think i i think that this is a good number one card and i think it'll see play as two of a two of in a bunch of standard decks over time and then get cut when conditions are unfavorable to it and go back in once they are it's it's a good card yeah i still see if t suck was playing this in slogurk this past weekend I'm like wow that's okay <laughs> no. i don't understand it but i <laughs> but- i appreciate that it's strong enough to be in the deck <laughs> un- un- understanding is is not the important part 
I mean, I've definitely played games with that deck where you lose alpha, you lose your stuff, and you have like infinite lands because your deck is like half lands, right? And you just like want to do something and you can't. They cast like farewell against you or something. Uh, No one's cast that against me yet, but that's good. I guess it's possible. Yeah, like if you don't draw attack Anuma or you exile too many early, you just have all this mana and nothing really to do with it if they deal with Slowgurk somehow or you don't draw one. Mm-hmm. And Cryptic Code's a nice little mana sink, like a really good mana sink, and it gets you closer to finding cards. Like any land it, it grabs can go to the graveyard, which you can get back with Slowgurk. Any Slowgurk it grabs, you can flip up. Yeah, yeah, yep. Just a nice one. I agree. We can go to black. Can we? Should we? Can we skip black? Black is pretty bad. Black is not good. Yeah. How many how many cards do you want to talk about in black? Because I technically listed five. I only I I will play one of these cards and then there's one other card that is fine. That's it. That's all of this black cards. But we all right, can I'm talk gonna about talk five. about my I'm gonna talk about my top three because <laughs> my bottom two are, are garbage. Sure. Uh my number three is Vein Ripper. Uh, let me get the text. And this is just like kind of a generic big creature. Mm-hmm. Uh, three BBB, six mana total, six, five flying ward, sacrifice a creature. And whenever a creature dies, target opponent loses two and you gain two. This is not a once per turn ability. So this is kind of in the vein of Conspiracy Unraveler, but a lot less in the same colors as Reenact the Crime. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, the way I'm envisioning this card is just like it's a big thing you can pay off with Cruelty of Gix or whatever. Uh, put it into play, then get rid of your creatures somehow, and your opponent's gonna die. Or you yeah, can just sacrifice a Blood Tithe Harvester with this thing in play. That's that's a, a a soul feast. Yeah, that's that's a huge swing. It also is really good when it's it's just good in those Cruelty of Gix situations. Mm-hmm. It is not as good as Archfiend because it costs two more mana, even with the extra text. Yeah, that's what I think kills this card is that there's just a way cheaper version that almost does the same thing. Yeah, but this is an interesting card to like be. It's got to be something you cheat out because I don't think you can just like play it straight up. It's got to be cruelty of Gex or something like that. I agree. Unless there's some like deck that naturally generates treasures off of, you know, if we're playing like multiple shambling gas type creatures or something like that you know but we don't have the access to that right now so sure yeah my number two deadly cover-up i think this one's actually quite good mm-hmm. uh, f- as a role player so this is a 3bb sorcery as an additional cost to cast the spell you can collect evidence six destroy all creatures if you collected evidence Exile a card from an opponent's graveyard, then search its owner's graveyard hand and library for a card with that same each card with that same name and exile them. They draw a card from each card that you exile from their hand. Mostly I like this card because it is a black wrath. People have started trying to play more blue-black control decks in leagues and challenges on, on Magic Online that I've been noticing. Mm-hmm. And this card largely helps yes. in, enable that. Because it is the sweeper you have access to. Like, black is really good at containing early threats in standard with long goodbye, go for the throat, cut down, all those cards. Uh, it is a lacking significantly after that portion of the game where it's just like, all right, my opponent 
cast Breach the Multiverse and has two cards now. Or Cruelty of Gex got back a thing and played a thing, and I I don't have a go for the throat. <laughs> or I only have one go for the throat, and I, I've lost the board. I cannot cut back. Yeah. And this is a nice card in a non-white deck that allows you to just clear the board reset. And it has that really good collect evidence in those black mirrors where you can just exile some cards from your graveyard and take out all their shieldreds or all their archfiends or all their cruelty of gixes or whatever is going to be problematic for you. You can just get them all out. That's the thing that I really like is it a a lot of times it's going to surgical whatever creature you don't want them to cast the turn after you wrath. But in the bigger mid-rangey matchups or whatever, yeah, you you fought through a Cruelty of Gix, and then this was part of fighting through the gr- Cruelty of Gix. Like, you got the guy that they reanimated or whatever, and then you can just be like, I think the scariest card that you can play from here is another Cruelty of Gix, so I'm going to get those, and and it can do that. I I, I really like this card. Also, the, the suite of black removal in Standard is phenomenal right now. It covers everything with those spot removal spells, and you've also got a, you know, early game small creature sweeper and path of peril that's very good against the convoke decks. And then you have this as a full sized wrath. And I, I think that you can mix and match during sideboarding to make your your suite just excellent. And uh, yeah, I, I think that a reactive black deck has the tools that it needs. Mostly the thing that it's kind of lacking compared to like blue white is a real threat that ends the game and like pays you off for this reactive plan because you don't have like a wandering emperor or a, it, like Ezrim is one card that I'll talk about later that is actually surprisingly good. And so like the blue black decks, I think, struggle a little bit with the there's no like big planeswalker or anything like that. That's really strong. But but the yeah. the reactive stuff is really good. Yeah, that that's, a, that's I think the trade off that makes black a little trickier blue black Mm -hmm. a little trickier than blue white yeah but you know deadly cover up a huge part of that deck for sure uh my number one is not technically a reprint it's long goodbye (laughs) (laughs) this is just uncounterable eliminate it's 1b can't be countered destroy target creature or planeswalker with meta value three or less and the reminder text of this includes, but this, you know, this spell can't be countered. This includes by the ward ability is very important. That's the main way that these things get countered. I, I put one in my, I, I replaced my anoints with them and immediately killed a graveyard trespasser and then a Rafine with them at my first two long goodbyes that I cast. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, this card's just like an instant staple. I, I played against this card in RCQ the day after the set came out and at that point in my exposure to Karlov manor cards i kind of knew what all the cards were but i did not know their names Mm. so when my opponent pointed their removal spell and said long goodbye i read it and i'm like goodbye as i'm putting it into the (laughs) into the graveyard (laughs) there have been a couple of spots where it not being anoint mostly against denik is very annoying not to exile the denik but most of the time, it actually costing two mana against Rafine is just, like, so wonderful. And, yeah, I think this card is quite good. Also, it does, you know, randomly kill Liliana occasionally. Yeah, that's true. Or a Kaido that, you know, is you didn't have a good way to get attackers onto or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
All right, your your turn for your two or whatever. Yeah, it's really my <laughs> my number one is deadly cover up. My number two is long goodbye, and the rest I don't really care about. Yeah, they they don't they don't matter that much. Uh, illicit masquerade is like a cute one that's mostly just worse blood for bones. Although blood yes. for bones was always a card that I like was very into the concept of, despite it never being good. But yeah, these cards aren't. They're just not exciting. Yep. Elizabeth Masquerade is a card to keep like, ooh, this card's kind of neat for like cube or whatever. And then I read it again and I'm like, this card costs so much mana. Yeah, I don't know if that is gonna do a thing. But it it's the it has by far the largest upside of any of the black cards, like the, the biggest possibilities inherent to it, but I don't th- know if it's a workable thing. Yeah, probably not. Let's just move on to red. Because the I, red has a lot of neat cards. It does. In my opinion. All right, so my number five is Crime Novelist. This is a two and a red, one three goblin bard. Whenever you sacrifice an artifact, put a plus one plus one counter on Crime Novelist and add red. This likely doesn't get anywhere because it does cost three mana, but it screams to be comboed with. It gives you mana as a triggered ability, and that's part of a lot of like relatively compact artifact based things it also does make sacrificing maps free and makes like sacrificing clues very inexpensive and that so if you have some of that also gold spans up your treasures for whatever that's worth i don't have a deck for this guy or anything but i keep wanting to figure out a way to to make him work yeah this this does combo with as people have already noted um the module I can't remember the name of it. It's the one man animation module. module <laughs> animation yeah. module, thank you. Where you can make servos, then sack the servos, then make another servo, then et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So you have mm-hmm. a very large crime novelist. I don't know if that pays off, but you know, the, the cost is pretty cheap. Mm-hmm. And I like the dream. I, this card's also my number five, and it's one of my favorite flavored cards in, yes. a, in a set that's like very well flavored. Like I just like the artwork so much and the that's flavor so text cute. of like writing a novel. It's it's very adorable. Yeah, I I love the delivery of this card. It's it's fantastic. This is one of my favorite cards in the set on just pure flavor. I agree. Yeah, mine mine too. My number four is pyrotechnic performer. This is a one in a red three two with disguise of a red. Whenever pyrotechnic performer or another creature you control is turned face up. That creature deals damage equal to its power to each opponent. This is, you can play this as like a package of red two drops with Fugitive Codebreaker, which is another morph or another disguised creature. And that gives you the potential for a lot of triggers. But basically, it's just an okay size two drop that if you draw it later also deals three damage to your opponent and there's further upside. I actually don't know if. It's I actually think it's like not good to replace your hasty grizzly bears with these like slightly more complicated cards. It it actually just doesn't end up working out so well. This thing doesn't have haste and it's not guaranteed to deal damage. And when you play it on turn two, your opponent can untap and cut it down rather than needing the, the cut down right then. Immediately, yeah. But it is a two drop that can convert to more value over a longer game in an aggressive deck. I think it's okay. Yeah, I I coincidentally also have this card in my number four Uh-oh. <laughs> uh 
and I I noted the synergy of Fugitive Codebreaker. I don't I don't think the package is that good, mm-hmm. and the damage is not great. Like it, yeah, because you're missing out on the the haste that all the other creatures have. Right. It's just if you're not assigning worth it to like me. like all of the red cards and amount of damage that they deal on average, at once you put them in your deck, like this probably is lower than like adversary or whatever. This also only really halfway combos with Codebreaker. Like it's not a great combo because you have to have this in play, flip it up, which is four mana. Then you have to play the Codebreaker, flip that up, which is a variable amount of mana. Right. And then when you do that, it only does two. Yeah. <laughs> so you really have to like, you really want to just draw a bunch of pyrotechnic performers so you can double up on triggers off that. Yeah, which is gross when that works. Or if you that is have excellent. If you have a pyrotechnic performer in play and maybe it's they're not dead because like you got brick walled by blockers, but they didn't kill your performer, and then you draw a second copy, then that one just deals six damage, and that's that should yeah, that's be a, good. That's a good rate. That that but that's the main problem with it, is like you really need two in play right. to do the like good thing. Because I think one and a performer is not that good. Like the best thing you can draw off that performer you just left is probably another prior technic performer. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number three is Fugitive Codebreaker. This is one in a red for a two one. Prowess Haste. Disguise of five in a red. This cost is reduced by one for each incident sorcery card in your graveyard. Whenever it's turned face up, discard your hand, then draw three cards. So this is a two drop that also does a reasonable Bedlam Reveler impression. Don't think that this also is a, much of an improvement, if any, over just the two mana, two, two haste guys, because it lines up specifically badly in ways where you would otherwise be blanking your opponent's cards. Like in one, the first match that I played against Fugitive Codebreaker, I traded for one in one game with my turn one siren storm tamer or spyglass siren and it just blocked because what could they do on turn two except for attack with this thing and i just traded a one one for it which i could not have blocked an adversary um and then in the next game i they started with kumano faces kagazan played fugitive codebreaker and then i was able to cut it down because it was a three two instead of a three three so i don't think those things are going to happen like that often to make it specifically worse but also the red deck doesn't play like a huge amount of spells and so the upside isn't necessarily there i think this card is okay in small numbers in the red deck but i think it's more exciting to me in you know decks where the prowess really has text and it can come down and deal two and then it's threatening to like easily deal four or five damage the next turn and that's really scary yeah, I, I think this card, in as the standard decks are currently built, I don't think this card's very good in them. Mm-hmm. They just, it just like doesn't have a density of spells. The 2-1 is not the strongest body. If if you could play the 2-1 on turn 3 or 4 and pair it with a spell to trigger prowess, that's pretty interesting. But the red decks, as built, don't really do that that often. <laughs> Unless you're attacking with Witch Doctor Frenzy or something, which you're just crushing anyway if you're doing that. Yeah. But give us uh, an actual playable blue-red land for an aggressive deck in standard, and then you can play this and Swiss Spear with, you know, Considers and other spells, and then that there's something going there. Yeah, I was thinking about this card. Like, maybe you could try to build more Prowess decks in Pioneer with this mm-hmm. card. 
yeah as it's another haste prowess creature which is pretty nice right and also like a a slow treasure cruise kind of thing yeah it can it can enable it it, it can draw you cards if you draw it late and it's otherwise just a like reasonable habit of carol keep style body yeah we're not there yet because there aren't really the good red cycling spells that you know there's no good red cantrippy things but like a a green red deck that's just like the prowess guys and this and uh questing druid is like a really nice creature base but those you know uh, until like abundant harvest is in pioneer i don't think that that deck quite exists yeah do you think think they'll print abundant harvest and pioneer that'd be no but you know what i'm saying we need some sort of cantripping in green or red and then there's like a really nice creature base just sitting there ready to go yeah the warlord's furies of the world are not really doing it no they are not uh my number two is krenko baron of tin street Okay. This is two in red for a 3-3 three, three haste. Tap, sacrifice an artifact. Put a plus one, plus one counter on each goblin you control. Whenever an artifact is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, you may pay red. If you do, create a 1-1 one, one red goblin creature token. It gains haste until end of turn. I, I don't know. Like, the absolute floor of this thing is that it's a 3-mana three 3-3 three, three haste. And then the more of the stuff you've got going on, the... You know, if you cast a Gleeful Demolition before this and then you're putting plus one, plus one counters on all of your goblin tokens, that's a lot of plus one, plus one counters. Or if you're a gob- just an actual goblins deck that somehow has managed to fit in some amount of artifact generation in there somehow. I don't know exactly, but something made clues or treasures or whatever. And then you're turning them into goblins and counters like this really converts stuff at quite a rate if you have multiple goblins in play yeah i think this is less of a goblins card and more of an artifact card like this card is very good with experimental synthesizer and gleeful demolition and stuff like that uh only coat anvil i guess if you want to play that card Mm -hmm. uh which i certainly have in the past so i'm not gonna cast shade on anyone trying to (laughs) but no anvil is really good it's just tough to build the whole deck around it but the anvil is a really strong card right that just i think the ability to it's unbounded making goblins when you sacrifice Mm -hmm. artifacts so if you can do that with other things and then make a bunch of goblins just with krenko and then sack them to put counters on him and have some gleeful demolitions because that i think that's just like a perfect combo for this card yeah i think you're really cooking there yeah like and you can do something fit a fit some crime novelists in there and you're really like you know yeah, that's mana a back on each artifact sack and you're putting two <laughs> counters on your crime novelist each time the problem with crime novelist is it's pretty small for a three drop yeah that's true but it's like i mean you can't put it at two mana because it would be like really free yeah so yeah <laughs> But yeah, I, I mean, right. Cranko, the fact that it triggers off of any artifact sacrifice and you can make a goblin out of it. And then once you've like done that twice, then its activated ability is really, really good because you also make a goblin when you activate it as long as you have a red mana. And, I, you know, I don't know if this gets anywhere, but a, a lot got shoved into this card. It's also a 3-3 three, three haste for three, and that's a fine start, too. Yeah, I, I like this card a lot. It it tickles all my buttons. 
I didn't even realize it had haste the first time. I was like, oh, that's a cool card. And then I like read it again and realized it had haste and was like, oh, this. Yeah. Actually, Krenko gets artifacts on. immediately. Yeah. Krenko hates artifacts. <laughs> <laughs> and my number one is Case of the Crimson Pulse. It says two and a red for a case. When it ETBs, discard a card, then draw two cards. To solve, you have no cards in hand. And when it's solved at the beginning of your upkeep, discard your hand, then draw two cards. I tried this in mono red in standard, and the card was very, very powerful. The I don't know if a deck like mono red in standard is really equipped to make use of it. I, I am excited by the idea of it like in sideboards of decks like Scam, where it just is infinite cards that's that it'll just rip through the rest of your deck and find your stuff yeah we'll just start playing it in every deck with mt as well so you, you get yeah. your upkeep and you still have cards left you discard them you get a bunch more cards you're just like doubling up yeah and and mt empties your hand really quickly like that, i think that's a pretty clear synergy that that can be really strong this thing flipped just means you are drawing three cards a turn and mm -hmm. That's not necessarily you can't just play all one mana spells in this and then hope to get your case every game like you need to be doing some fancy deck building to really make this work. But when it's working, it's working. Yeah, it's nice. I, I, I like this card a lot. I've tried to pick up a couple of copies for random as more decks that mm -hmm. I've been trying to build. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be good in that, but it's something I'm interested in trying because it's really easy to dump your hand and yeah. You, you utilize the cards like pretty well it's it's a deck that runs out of steam very easily mm -hmm. yep you do need to combine this with some level of it's actually really nice with hand disruption because hand disruption gets out of your hand really easily and also if you've thought seized them then you're pretty confident that this won't just get like ley line binding or whatever and ruin your entire plan you need to get the rummage out of it. You know, it's it's not just I know, but weird... if you've invested like, you know, I'm I'm gonna just aggressively discard cards to this inti or whatever or or just pitch cards to this cookbook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re relevant to this card is that it works like season biomancer. Mm -hmm. Uh if you don't have a card in your hand when you play it, you get to draw two cards. You don't have to discard. Yeah. So when you get in these game states that Asmore often gets into where you just have dumped cards to to cookbook and you just have like no cards in your hand and then they have drawn the removal and killed your stuff drawn case of the crimson pulse is like very unreal as a top deck yeah it's a, a, a nice old-fashioned divination it's a uh, incredibly bad against orgish bowmasters and also shieldred so keep that in mind yeah people i don't have to worry about this because i am unlikely to play modern for uh, a modern horizons length of time <laughs> <laughs> but noted yeah yeah all right my list is very similar i only i only had one card difference from mm -hmm. you again so number five is crime novelist cute card great four was pyrotechnic performer the flip damage card sure uh, my number three was fugitive code breaker that's the <laughs> prowess two one yeah i know Th those cards like had to go together it's true. Uh, my number two was Krenko's Buzzsaw, which is the other Krenko card. <laughs> okay, fair enough. That's It's the two red red four four insect thopter 
with flying and trample it enters the battlefield for each player you can destroy a land they control a non-basic land they control uh, and then each player searches their library for a land a basic land put it on the battlefield tapped if you destroyed one of their lands that ability does not target so it gets the lotus field just truly bizarre templating yeah i actually think this card is pretty good against the lotus field deck in pioneer unfortunately it's like very unneeded because a lotus field is not very good right now right. it hasn't been for a while and b like what deck's playing this card like yeah <laughs> i think it's just largely a worse option than any card that you could bring in from any of the decks that could cast it like you know rakdos would just rather play a, another duress in that spot or whatever right like that's just well i think this card's card. a lot better than duress for rakdos like if if you hate lotus field so much and you like really think you want to devote sideboard spot to it but damping sphere isn't good or you want to pretend you're boarding the card in and other matchups and like a 4-4 is not unreasonable i guess to have in your deck compared to a damping sphere so you board it in uh the clock is actually really good against lotus field but but again i think that's not something you should need because the deck is not very good <laughs> and not a lot of people should be playing it and you're the deck even if it is good the people playing it are going to be such a small percentage of the room no matter what size of tournament you're in that it's not going to be worth playing <laughs> and yet and yet i put this so high because i do actually think it is quite good once you've passed that initial hurdle of putting the card in your sideboard and you've and you're finally playing lotus field or against lotus field it is actually good like it, it does the job as advertised it kills their lotus field they get a land and then it's a 4-4 that kills them easily before they can recover like once you play this card against lotus field they're gonna die like unless you've done nothing i guess i will say i have seen lotus field lists popping up doing okay with archdruid's charm in them and if you've sideboarded in Krenko's buzzsaw and your opponent goes and you've got it in your hand, ready to kill a Lotus Field, and your opponent goes, end of turn, Arcturid's Charm for Lotus Field. That's potentially really devastating, although hopefully they have to copy it and then pass the turn. But it's it, it's not an ideal like interaction for you. Yeah, I, I also think a lot of the cards people play on the Lotus Field decks are fake and don't really matter. Right, like, sure. people are continuously top baiting with strict proctor, which is not a very good card at all. <laughs> <laughs> you you can play Fair. a lot of bad cards in Lotus Field and still win because a lot of the format just isn't competing right. on your axis. But that's that's neither here nor there. That's number two. Crinkos was Crusher. Good as long as you're in that highly specific scenario. <laughs> yeah. And my number one is also Case of the Crimson Pulse. I think the card's just fantastic. Yes. It does only do one thing, which is draw cards. So if you're, you know, behind on board in any way and you're especially when you're like tight on mana or whatever, you know, there's there's you have to be pl playing this in a deck that is set up to make it good as often as possible. But drawing two but extra boy, cards does it draw some cards. <laughs> it, but boy, does it do the one thing that it does. Yeah. It's not like gated behind you having an empty hand to draw the extra cards it's just every turn you discard your hand and you draw another two an extra two. yeah it, that that's yep. 
you just get so much churn. It's nice. All right, green. I think is where we're really gonna differ. I think so because every it's a pretty flat, like kind of power level curve with like a lot of like. There's a lot of kind of very cute role players in green. Exactly, and not a lot of very like independently strong obviously powerful like for instance like our number one for both of them is just going to be pick your poison yeah and other than that i think it'd be interesting to see how we differ (laughs) yeah so i'll lead my number five one of my least favorite cards in the set analyze you might have the same number five pollen oh okay (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a sorcery is an initial cost to cast a spell you collect evidence eight Search your library for basic land, or if you collected evidence, search your library for any land or any creature, reveal the card, put it into your hand, then shuffle. <clears throat> I have this here because I think it is an interesting build around puzzle because uh, it's really good with the Lord of the Rings land cyclers. Like you can you pitch them early. They're six-ish mana, depending on what you're discarding, <laughs> uh, to collect evidence eight. So it's mostly you're already... the hundred percent of the way there basically uh and then you can tutor for any creature or land you want after that but i struggled to find a like deck where that's something you actually want to do Mm -hmm. and that's where i think this card is really going to hit the problematic area because i've actually played a lot with eladomri's call believe it or not which is just green and a white tutor for a creature in modern because i'm always looking for specific cards so i can combo them together and that's what like traverse and analyze the pollen kind of want to be they want to be really cheap versions of eladomri's call but they require too much in deck building to kind of utilize the i really need to get these cards together so i can do my powerful thing i don't want to have a side quest of like getting delirium or collecting evidence before i can also do my other side quest of putting my creatures together so I can kill my opponent. <laughs> and that's right. where I think this card falls flat. Yeah, and I think that, you know, that collect evidence eight is that high for a reason. You can't just use a generous end to fuel it. And so I think that, like, you know, putting it in your four-color deck then becomes really difficult because, number one, the four-color deck doesn't really want to put land cyclers into it because the fetch Mm -hmm. lands are so good with red and six that it's very very difficult to fit a significant number of those in there um so doing the oh it's a thing that i can traverse for emrakul with and also you know get an omnath in other spots like that doesn't really work uh i do think that the requirement is easier to fulfill than delirium in a, a fair swath of decks it, it it's more it, it doesn't require you to play Misha's bobble and like draw a Misha's bobble in order to make it work the way that traverse often does in modern decks what it does require is that you build your deck with a pretty significant number of like street wraiths and cards that go to the graveyard instantly basically yeah and like, even pitch elementals are okay yeah yeah they're fine so the main place that I think this is kind of neat is like in an Asmore deck, especially with Inti, because Inti makes you want Street Wraith and Land Cyclers in some numbers anyways. Uh, Asmore is a card that you generally want more copy. Like you always want to get an Asmore in your Asmore deck. And this is 
a, a reasonable way of finding an Asmore, especially if you've like discarded your Street Wraith in order to get your collect evidence that turn, then you can just cast your Asmore. Uh, and it also like you don't necessarily have to play four oval chase daredevils to have access to a lot of oval chase daredevils now if you can reliably analyze the pollen to find it then you don't have a bunch of uno cards in your deck to draw anymore so i think that there's some cute stuff going on there that could be pretty cool and it's also just green as opposed to you know multiple colors like an eladomri's call is and that's you know right, not right. a workable thing in an urza saga deck so yeah, the, the Asmor thing is the most interesting angle I've seen. I still don't think it's very good there. Yeah, I don't is, have a deck. I don't have a, a, a list or anything. But it is the most promising if you want to be analyzing the pollen. One one of the main things that I've wanted for a long time is to not have to put four Daredevils into my Asmor deck. And I'm very intrigued by this card's possibility. Like, making that a possibility potentially a, a good aspiration but one i don't think this card does <laughs> may not may not quite accomplish yeah you also end up building a green red urza saga deck which comes Hell with yeah, its own level of challenges <laughs> <laughs> ren six that urza saga back let's do it uh. Uh, the the main problem is that you have no counter magic and no thought seizes, so there's only a specific list of things so, that you can disrupt. I'm not. We don't have to spend forever on this, but I'm not against not playing thought seize in Asmodex. Yeah. I no, I I agree, but like your sideboard is also horrific if you're green red. You know. The, yeah, yeah, that's the real problem. Is your green red sideboard is garbage. Yeah. It's not like the days where you can just play a million land destruction spells in your sideboard and have that be <laughs> like a somewhat reasonable. My number four is, let me look at my list. Case of the Locked Hot House. <laughs> this is three and a green. You can play an additional land on each of your turns. It's, it's another case. Uh, to solve it, you control seven lands. And once it's solved, you can look at the top card of your library at any time. And you can play lands, creatures, or enchantment spells from the top of your library. I'm a sucker for a future site. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> <laughs> this is just, I, I don't think this card quite makes the line over anything except for maybe standard. But God, I love, I both love exploration effects and a future site. And this is just like the best of both worlds. It's not that strong because it doesn't do anything for a long time. <laughs> like you, it really yeah. doesn't start picking up until you've, solved the case and then you start casting things or clearing the top of your deck of lands that's when it gets really good but that's so many turns down the line <laughs> i know and it's it's a huge bummer for me that this card is it's costed like it will become a future site at you know within a reasonable amount of time it's and I'm commander afraid costed. That that's that's what it yeah. is it, it's a yeah. very strong commander card <laughs> yeah i think that's that's definitely true and in games of competitive constructed it is a four mana exploration for a significant amount of the time that it's going to be in play yeah including like once you hit seven lands then you have to pass the turn you have to wait until you solve it turn, turn again yeah. well hey you can still you can go to your opponent's turn after it's been solved and look at the top card of your library instantly that's that's the yeah. magic right there yeah you can do that and then cast your leyline binding from the top <laughs> it, it it 
it works on your opponent's turn, right? So if you do have exactly yeah, line mining it, it on the top, on, you it can works cast on your it. opponent's turn for that yeah. very rare scenario. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's obviously sweet to flip. I am afraid that it not only takes quite a bit of effort to flip, but is slow since you have to wait a whole turn even once you flip it and until you do that it's literally just a four mana exploration which is a really tough sell yeah. but i it is a sweet card that i don't disagree i am dreaming big for this one i would like it to i mean oof, now there's a ton of convoked decks and it's unlikely that we'll be even in a environment where we can startle a bunch with the top card of our library and put seven lands into play well, this is also a card that you could play in a version of like green white based domain that just has a ton of temporary lockdowns in it. Like it's you can yeah, build this neat. deck to be fine against you know one specific part of the metagame at least. And maybe they'll put, you know, enchantment synergy or something in the future set maybe one day and this card will be the, good. <laughs> there's also the well, and if you like this card is your your like late game payoff so you don't really need this card but there is the seven mana sorcery that like oh brings yeah, back yeah, the green white one makes three five fives out of your graveyard yeah that one's cute uh, it's kind of got a weird parabola and limited where it's wow this card's so good you just make three five fives and then you're just like how do i put an enchantment in my graveyard by <laughs> <Right>. number three is an inc- I'm going increasingly like lower rarity cards. So, you know, be mm-hmm. ready for that. Uh, Chalk Outline is my number three. Okay. <laughs> this is a three and a green enchantment. Big, big top five list for three and a green enchantments. Whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard, you create a 2 2 white and blue detective creature, then investigate. Honestly, this is mostly on my list because of Mason. He built this kind of wacky pioneer deck that included this card alongside the cat cauldron combo and this is a very cute way to be getting just incredible amounts of value off of your your cat combo uh, making two twos and a clue every time you do your little loop Mm -hmm. Uh, and i i like that i want to try it yeah i think sounds cute to me you know insidious roots is also going to be on my list later on that's a, a lock but this is I'm impressed they managed to put two cards of this variety in the same set, I guess. Yeah, that both make a, t- a token on the they same They both trigger. make creature on on the uh, the one or more yeah. creature cards leave your graveyard. Yeah. This one's, uh, I think, much worse than the, the two mana version. But it is still being able to draw a card. And maybe I can try to play it in standard. Uh, we'll see. It doesn't seem likely as the format has sped up a lot. But I might yeah. try. Yeah. Okay, my number two is a fan favorite for maybe just me. <laughs> uh, it's Aftermath Analyst. It's one in a green for a 1-3 elf detective. No hat, unfortunately. When Aftermath Analyst enters the battlefield, you mill three cards. And then you can pay three in a green and sack it to return all land cards from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. So this card joins a long line of cards I appreciate that are just two mana cards two mana creatures that just put stuff in your graveyard (laughs) that's that's a card type or card archetype i really enjoy it enables you to do a bunch of wacky stuff maybe including chalk outline uh or insidious roots and it's just a nice way to do that in the color green so you don't have to play 
like phylogy architects or archaeologists. Mm -hmm. The land text does matter, but not in the context I'm primarily going to be using the card for, which is just a green creature that dumps stuff into my graveyard. I, I think you can make that text matter, and it's way better than this card is way, way, way better than Splendid Reclamation. Uh, it's yes. just there's like no combos for that in standard right now, so I don't really want to try to do it. Maybe you can try that in Pioneer if you want to like do a spelunking combo deck. Maybe this is part of it because it's a two mana enabler that you can use in the late game to just bring your lands back from the graveyard. And that's pretty nice. Uh, but I haven't put any time into learning how to play this blunking deck in Pioneer, so don't come after me if I've understood it wrong. No, yeah, I mean, I know Dom was really looking at stuff like this with spelunking and very interested because that's very much in his wheelhouse. I This card is interesting and has impressed me in a few spots. Like, I was playing it in, like, the Insidious Roots deck that I was trying out. And it was interesting because a lot of the time when I cast it, I was like, I just really wish this were a Seder Wayfinder because I would like to keep making my land drops more than anything else. And that's what I need from this. Um, but every once in a while, then you would activate it and, and it would be good. It was really scary when I played against a version of the Conspiracy Unraveler deck where they played this to dump cards into their graveyard because they were also a, a squirming emergence deck. Perfect. So, you know, great setting that up but also on turn three i was like oh i need to spend my entire turn go for the throating this thing because they have three lands in their graveyard and if they play Stop a fourth land on their mana. turn and activate this like i know their deck has 10 seven mana spells that kill me in it so i i have to go for the throat this right now or i will lose the game so that's kind of a neat space for this sort of card where the you need graveyard stuff and you also have like uncastables in your deck and that's why you're milling yourself, but they are no longer uncastable once you pay like four mana to put three plus lands into play or eight lands into play sometimes, depending on length of the game. Yeah, I think this card ends up seeing play in like a million tier two to five tier five decks, basically. But but maybe it, it shows up in something. It's it's like it it sets up decks that would be hard to build otherwise it's unless a you win really games that good nobody it's a really yeah. good enabler for decks that are trying to do wacky stuff. Like it's not yes. a rate monster. It's never going to be at the top of the rate monster list. It's right. clearly not trying to do anything fair. But it sets up so much more cool stuff than just like Splendid Reclamation. And I, I really like it. Yeah, it, it's nice. I, I really like this card. It's number two on my list. It only lost out to Pick Your Poison because it, Pick Your Poison is so good. It's just it's so very strong. Good. It's really strong. I, if I could argue that Pick Your Poison was slightly situational at all, uh, maybe I could argue after that the analyst takes the number one spot. But I, I really can't do that because Pick Your Poison just does everything you really need it to do. People have already played it in Modern at this point for two weeks, basically. I picked up yeah. the playset as soon as I could. It's uh, immediately a best-in-slot sideboard card for when you need a thing to kill Merktide Regents with out of your deck that's bad at killing Merktide Regents. I literally it's saw great. a Pick Your Poison today take down a Leyline of the Guild Pact and a Territory Kavu with one spell cast. Because they had cast the Kavu off of two fetch lands. And they... Oh my god. And then you kill that's the enchantment. so brutal. Then the Kavu <laughs> Maybe died. they shouldn't have done that. Yeah, they should have just fetched the, the basic. Yeah. But... It was a very good screenshot. <laughs> you do have your leyline of the guild pack is not immortal, and you need to play around your opponent potentially killing it. 
Yeah, that's that's a that's a modern problem. Yeah. <laughs> so my list is reasonably different from yours. We only shared two cards. My number five is Flourishing Bloomkin. This is one in a green for a zero zero plant elemental that gets plus one plus one for each forest you control. It also has disguise of four in a green when it's turned face up. Search your library for up to two forest cards, reveal them, put one of them onto the battlefield tapped and the other into your hand, then shuffle. That's mostly flavor text. This is just a two mana guy that if there is a mono green deck, it's it's like really, really big. It'll be a four four attacking pretty quickly. Two mana bunicorn. Yeah, it's it's green's regal bunicorn if you're mono green. It's it's good. Yeah, it's also a very daisy bloomkin like this card's just covered in little flowers yeah it's cute it's a it's got a it's got a whole tea party going on it really on does. its face <laughs> and it's really menacing looking despite that uh, my number four card goes into similar decks as bloomkin but also is like interesting in other ways this is sharp-eyed rookie one in uh. a green for eight two two vigilance Whatever creature enters the battlefield under your control, if its power is greater than Sharp-Eyed Rookie's power or its toughness is greater than Sharp-Eyed Rookie's toughness, put a plus one plus one counter on Sharp-Eyed Rookie and investigate. You know, it's a two drop that, yeah, it dies to cut down or whatever, but if your deck is just built so that your next creature is going to trigger it, this is a huge amount of value. Like, your opponent probably has to kill it or get buried, and it, you know, it just becomes a 3-3 Vigilance if you trigger it once and then you get a card out of it and that's i think that's just good yeah that is good once you do that the problem is i don't think the card's good enough as a standalone to do that and it suffers from the black mid-range cards being so good it's really hard not right. to play them and when you're doing that why not just play moss with dread knight is that the name of that card the green knight yeah no, yeah, I mean, and I think this goes into different, like, more aggressive, like, creature-heavier decks, basically. Like that's the other point, is Query on Beast mm -hmm. Caller is the standard, which mm -hmm. is a card similar to this. It is also a 2-2 two, two for 2 that gets bigger every time you play a creature. Uh, it does not matter the size of the creature you play with Query on Beast Caller. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have the Investigate text, but it moves its counters over when it dies. Yeah. And I've seen that card see play in, like, the the random green artifact decks that try to play, you know, the Oslet stuff. And it's pretty good in those decks. Like, no, it, it does its job. It's fine. Yeah. I, and that's where I'm like, where, where does sharp by rookie kind of like intersect? Like where are we playing this card where we can like utilize it? And it's not a bad version of a different deck. Well, I don't think it's crazy to run like both of those cards in the same deck because a lot of the same cards are good with both of those. It's just like making lots of power and toughness on the table casting creatures like being reasonable against targeted removal and i i think there's a way to to do this but like the the really nice thing is if some or all of your other twos also threaten to pump this so that you just like as if they don't kill it then you are triggering this and getting your clue and that's that's what you, that's a place that you kind of want to be i kind of wish this was a word like the clue lonus was uh which may be confusing there's a lonus card in the clue set mm -hmm. <laughs> not the not the okay. modernized not two that lonus. makes clues <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh the way that card works is it has evolve and whenever a plus one one counter is put on it you investigate mm. 
I wish this card was this similar. Gotcha. Or like basically the same. <laughs> wow. That is a surprisingly similar text box to this card. Yeah, it's a, it's a three mana card. I think it's a one two. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot different, but in size. But I wish it had the whenever you put a counter on this investigate right. alongside the evolve thing. Yeah, because that would make it that would open up a bunch of deck building possibilities for it where you could, you know, all of a sudden you can just like throw this into whatever. And whenever you put a counter on it with anything, you're, you're going off. Yeah, you're getting a card out of it. Yeah, that would be cool. We don't have access to that, but, you know, I think there's still some room for this to be pretty good. I've I've played against it and been like, oh, that's a problem. I really got to find a removal spell for that, like, as quickly as possible. What makes me a little lower on this card is that it's I think it's really difficult to trigger the second dime unless you really mean it. Yeah. And I think that's really where you get all your value. Like, if you can trigger this card two times, you're golden. Yeah. But I think that's a little more well, difficult. Well, I, I think anytime you trigger this once, you're like quite happy with it, and two times is like really good. I I think that that's. I think creatures are a little better in that in standard now. That the. A, a getting three three just your card back for two mana, and you have a, an extra thing off of it. I like that's still quite good. No, it is solid. I just don't. I think it's not as good in the context of all the other good cards they're yeah, printing. Yeah, there are a lot of pretty good cards, but <laughs> most of the good cards cost three, and this one only costs two. That's a big deal. Costs two, but it needs a three drop. Yeah, well, or a flourishing <laughs> bloomkin. Um, another cute thing is that Kellen triggers this and also makes an artifact. The problem is like you're in green white, and you have you have like these things that are ready to do synergies, and then you have nothing to. You know, you have two. Well, we we simply play Naya and we play Krenko and uh -huh. we use our artifacts oh, to make perfect, goblins. The perfect mana base. <laughs> hey, we've got a trial. <laughs> uh, my number three is Aftermath Analyst. You know, we spent plenty of time talking about this. I think it's very neat. My number two is Arcturid's Charm. You know, we've talked about this plenty. GGG Instant. Search your library for a creature or land card and reveal it if it's a land. Put it onto the battlefield tapped. Otherwise, put it into your hand. Then you shuffle. Or you can put a plus one plus one counter on a creature and make it punch something. Or you can exile an artifact or an enchantment. I agree that you are probably right that it is not a Lotus Field thing. But I think it probably is a Nykthos thing. And also, if there's a mono green deck in standard, there's a reasonable chance that this is just like a fine value card that's doing completely different things than it's doing in other formats. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not a huge fan of playing mostly green decks, but yeah. if you can cast it, this card does do a lot of things. Yeah. So I think not quite Archmage's charm, but no. I'm looking forward to the next Arc charm that we get. Yeah, I I think that this one is it'll see significant play in various heavy green decks, obviously. And then my number one is pick your poison, just to efficient and flexible of a sideboard card yep it's great not not too good or anything like too too good and flexible to be ignored that is what i'm saying it, it it's a perfect card it's not too good it's just perfect no it's a it's a perfect printing <laughs> for just, needs in modern. <laughs> that's all i'm saying yeah. <laughs> uh, a card that kills murktide region and also kills urza saga for one mana is uh, just a sideboard slot that you're very happy with yeah, it's really nice that there's a lot of cards you boarded in against where you're you only want to target like one of their things, mm -hmm. like amulet. Like 
you can use it on a dryad or a saga or you know if they play an amulet you get that you know mm-hmm. it's, it does everything yeah it's, it's and i guess good. if they play a flyer you can kill that but i haven't seen kura on their sideboards right in months. the utility is just that it's also one of your murktide slots and that's that's the type of sideboard card that makes decks function in modern kill cyan of draco or leyland it's it actually is. quite good against the cyan of draco leyland yeah. package yeah all right multicolored and other yeah, I, I actually just have multicolored cards because I yeah. didn't think any other cards were worth talking about. Like, the Surveil Lands are honestly good enough to spend a little bit of time talking about on their own. Yeah. They're very good. They're very, very good. But I think everyone knows that by now. I don't think it's a secret. So we don't really have to spend a lot of time on it. Yeah. I'm I'm glad people figured it out. I Yeah, I was, I was wrong about them initially. I, I kind of said that I don't know. I don't think they'd see more than, like, one of and in modern or whatever Mm -hmm. but i think they're even better than i thought they were yep they're strong for sure uh my number five is ezram agency chief this is one and two white and two blue for a five five flying legendary creature archon detective he does have his silly little hat riding a some sort of sphinx like creature he's very impressive and has his silly little detective hat uh, when he enters the battlefield, investigate twice, and he's got one sacrifice and artifact. Ezram gains your choice of vigilance, lifelink, or hexproof until end of turn. I've been pretty impressed by this guy as just a way to just put away a game out of blue-white decks. Uh, I, I specifically have been playing decks that mostly get an advantage on the battlefield because all of the creatures are small and have flying. And this thing being a 5-5 flyer has been really devastating to some of my game plans. But putting that level of matchup-based stuff aside, when you cast this with a mana up, it's really, really difficult to kill. Even if you do manage to deal with it, if it hit the battlefield, there's two clues left over. And the it, it never gets indestructible, but... Vigilance, Lifelink, and Hexproof are all useful in different situations that you find yourself in, and I I think this card is just like a pretty decent 5-mana creature that will finish games off that maybe you are not quite able to lock out otherwise. I I think it's pretty good. Yeah, this card's quite good. I think it reinvigorated blue-white control Mm -hmm. strategies people are trying to play in standard. I this card's just been good every time I've seen it. It some it's a little clunky and expensive occasionally, yeah, but not the biggest deal, right? And it it does a really valuable thing, which is be a big finisher creature that go for the throat does not kill, and that's super useful. My number four is World Souls Rage. This is X, a green and a red for a sorcery. Deals X damage to any target. Put up to X land cards from your hand and or graveyard onto the battlefield tapped. This is already seeing some amount of sideboard play from some players with an amulet. There's an infinite combo with it and (laughs) a mirror pool if you... Have two amulets out, and you have a mirror pool and a gruel turf, and you world souls rage, and you know, however you've arranged things, but you like put the mirror pool into play from your graveyard, or you already have it in play, and then you put your gruel turf into play from your hand, and then that creates enough mana 
to sacrifice the mirror pool to copy the world soul's rage as long as it has x equals two and then you just keep doing that and you deal infinite damage um but it also is a way of killing magus of the moon you just need one green in order to do it and you know you might win the game that turn based on getting the additional land drops or lands from your graveyard onto the battlefield and uh, yeah outside of amulet maybe there's some neat stuff you can do in like a bizarre standard ramp deck possibly featuring a case of the locked hothouse whatever it's called yeah that's Um, what it's called okay I, i surprising to me that that's the name of a magic card i guess is why it was difficult to get out but you know th- this is a pretty potentially powerful card I-, I think mostly i'm interested in it for those amulet based applications but it-, it can kill stuff and ramp you and that's the second world soul's rage might be like really brutal yeah this is uh, a card i really like for two reasons the amulet reason and a bunch of cube reasons sure this is a very cool cube card okay yeah yeah that is really cool uh it it, it, it's like a really neat like part of a life from the loam uh, yeah there's a lot of neat little yeah there's a lot of neat life from the loam-esque cards Mm -hmm. like titania too like anywhere in that space that is really useful to have just like some extra incentive to play yeah and this, this is a pretty good card this does some loaming and also is good in the games where you've like loamed too hard and you have 11 lands in play and nothing to do yeah it also has the like you know kill your two drop get back start buying mm. yeah deal yeah that's nice or wasteland or whatever my number three is war leaders call this is one, a red and a white for an enchantment. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield under your control, War Leader's Call deals one damage to each opponent. Card has just proven itself immediately in standard. Really, really good in Boros Convoke. Adding that reach on top of an anthem just solves a lot of the traditional problems that like tokens decks have, where oh man, like my combat steps just aren't quite good enough. I can't justify these attacks. Well, if you ping your opponent enough times and your tokens are two twos, you can afford to throw away some tokens in your attacks to get in a little more damage, and then your opponent is just gonna be dead. This this card just deals, you know, if we're translating cards to damage, this is like an enormous amount of damage for three mana. This card's really strong. Yep, I've seen this one play many times. It's 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 wild. Yeah, it's one of the best anthems they've printed in a long, 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 long time. Yep. It's it's very good, and when your opponent has this in play, and then top decks the gleeful demolition, you just put your face. It in your almost hands. almost feels like it's just three mana creatures you control get plus two plus two. Yeah, it's, like almost. Yeah, it does so much damage. It just does a, a ridiculous amount of damage. My number two is Leyline of the Guild Pact. This card's dumb. I, I don't think that this is a, a thing, a, the, a, the type of text that should go onto a ley line. You shouldn't put proactive text like this onto a ley line. And while it's only specifically the interaction with Scion that appears to be problematic right now, like this is just a, a dumb, like we don't need this, I think. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go back to what I said when this card was spoiled a long, long time ago. Like 
what when we were first starting mm-hmm. off talking about the set maybe a month ago i think i said i hate this card so much it's my least favorite card in the set so far and that's true it's that's whole out i hate this card so much <laughs> uh i really 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 dislike cards that are free and are game pieces that have so little text on them that's relevant but game but break the game in some like wild way as long as you pair it with some other busted thing yeah uh, at the time i was talking about nykthos and i just hated like textless card provides devotion that's that's garbage why, why did we need to print that well but how did the we interaction how did we end up with a cost that both is four mana for nykthos and also pitches to every pitch spell how did that happen like what's the what's the design meeting that ended up with that as the mana cost that's in, that's nuts it's a flavor thing. It's really dumb. But let me, let me touch on that. Like I, it, the, the interaction too with Scion is also the same type of deal to me. It's just this card is basically textless unless you pair it with the one other card that it does something with. Mm-hmm. And that's too good because you got it for free. And because this card uh, just cuts all of its... A lot of its deck building cost. Usually, the cost for putting ley lines in your deck, even your sideboard, because most of them are sideboard cards, right? Like Sanctity, Void, that mm-hmm. sort of deal. The cost is that they don't do. They're so bad. They're so bad cards to draw. You need some way to get rid of them. And a lot of people have just, um, like myself included, hate playing ley line with the void, even though it's very, very good to start a lot of matchups with the ley line of the void in play. Because if you don't do that and you draw it later, it's just dead. It's so bad. Yeah. God, Leyland please of the let me Pact, pitch this to Fable of the Mirror Breaker. Right. Leyland of the Guild Pact technically has that problem. Like, it, it's not a good draw. It's not worth the mana you spend to play it. Um, But it pitches to literally every single card that needs you to, <laughs> to pitch a color of a card. Because it yep. is all five colors. So that's just... The only thing it doesn't pitch to in modern is fury because they banned it. <laughs> yep, uh, it's very strong in a way that I don't really enjoy. But I guess come come prepared for a way with a way to kill your opponent's leyline of the guild pact because it's really hard to kill their scion of Draco when they've got this one in play. Yeah. Also, let me say while we're like t- for anyone who's not. Because this deck came out like overnight, basically. Yeah. the The backstory is that you know right before the Denver RC, a lot of people found a, a Rhinos deck that used Leyline of the Guild Pact, and it's like basically traditional Rhinos, except you cut several cards for Leyline Binding, Leyline of the Guild Pact, and Scion of Draco. But otherwise, you are a just normal Rhinos deck. Mm-hmm. Now this is different than the Domain Zoo strategy like a lot of people saw lay on the guild pact and are like oh we can play this in zoo uh because it's really really strong with sign of the draco and that's true as long as you start with your ley line of the guild pact in play your sign of the dracos are cracked as long as you draw one and then play the game out you know accordingly it's it's pretty good yeah the problem with that sort of card in zoo is that you can't do anything with the ley line at all like it's really really bad and if you start with it in play and you don't draw a scion it doesn't do anything for the rest of your deck so it's just okay neat mm-hmm. it's not very good in that deck but in the rhino shell you're like so far removed from needing 
you're putting four fours into play all the time and your combo with scion is really strong and if you don't draw the scion or you don't draw the ley line or you need you do draw the ley line you can just pitch it to any of your infinite pitch spells which zoo does not have access to <laughs> so that was the joke behind that deck you're also fine yeah. like i'm old to six and i have this ley line but i don't have a scion put it on the bottom you can put it on the bottom or you can just keep it because rhinos is a deck that can just like go cascade spell cascade spell and easily win on five cards so you can right. keep it like based on i might draw scion of draco now this deck had an extremely high win rate in the rc i think it was like 60 some 63 maybe yeah that's what i saw uh, very few very few players played it because it wasn't a known quantity and it was mostly they... known to high level like the the high level group of players like most yeah of the like louis scott vargas played players. this and uh, other people who have topped rcs and pro tours before yeah so uh, who knows if those numbers hold up i don't think the deck is like hogak I, I haven't seen anyone claim it's hogak but it's not hogak <laughs> no uh but it has led to a strong disinterest in or continued disinterest for me in modern because i am so gosh darn tired of the cascade mechanic being a extremely sizable portion of the field <laughs> yeah this is not a good modern we've been through some rough ones and this is one of the most and i'm not saying it's ones. like unbalanced or anything it's just uninteresting which yeah. to me is worse because i, I don't want to play <laughs> yep Yep, but that that's all an inside in like the middle of our top little five list at the end. <laughs> well, and unfortunately, my next card is also one that I have like serious structural criticisms of my my number one multicolor card is no more lies. Blue okay. white counter target spell unless this controller pays three. If that spell is countered this way, exile it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. I just don't believe that there was a good there's not there was no good enough reason to you can't convince me that blue white in pioneer was supposed to have a mana leak that exiles and the entire like because mana leak is already really good probably too good for pioneer the restriction on this is that you must be playing blue white and like be judicious with how many fields of ruin you put into your deck and then other than that like go nuts i I'm not like into blue white getting this as a tool, but it's going to be really good. Yeah, I agree with you. It's not ideal. <laughs> I, 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 this card's very good. Yeah. Like, no more lies. It's especially if you're, you haven't played with Malik before because Malik's a really old card. Like it, it hasn't seen play in a, a long time. Uh, the difference between a mana leak and a quench is extreme. Like it only seems like it's one mana, but it is way it it, it is way more impactful than it seems like it should be because you have to spend so long figuring out how to play. Or you have to spend so much more time playing around it if you want to do that at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, you know, think about how many times in in standard or whatever you double spell with two two drops versus double spelling with a three drop and a two mana spell you know it's it's significantly harder and it's usually something that you do quite a bit later in the game and you know that's the difference between getting mana leaked and and getting quenched um also specifically teferi hero of dominaria untap two lands pass the turn with a make disappear in hand is like is okay but there's a lot of things that doesn't stop. 
to fairy hero a three, a three drop on turn five yeah like specifically right like you can resolve your fable of the mirror breaker or whatever at least and you know no more lies with a teferi in play past the turn is you're not getting much through that that not much of that matters like all of a sudden instead of going fable into maybe two drop that gets countered but it's okay mm-hmm. it's if i play my fable it gets countered I guess I'll play my two drop, but I, I'm not beating Teferi yeah, with very, it. It's over. <laughs> not that Fable was like that. You know, if you didn't have other stuff going on, but usually you need to get something through, some spell through the turn after they cast the Teferi, and boy, does this not let you do that. Yeah, it makes it very difficult. But anyways, it's going to be really good in Standard and Pioneer. Yeah, my, my list is a little different from yours. Uh, my number five is World Souls Rage as well. Uh, the XRG Fireball, which, which is really nice. Yeah. Number four, I have War Leader's Call. Great anthem. Yep. Three, I have No More Lies. I think this card is a lot more ubiquitous than I've ranked it. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. Really, really good. But I hate Blue Eye Control, so that, that knocks it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad, because you're going to be playing against it. Or I might honestly play it yeah. like if I have to play Pioneer for a season. But that that's like months away. I don't have to think about that right now. The the like Why nightmare not? timeline is the one where it's like blue-white control and then the only deck that can re- reliably beat blue-white control is Lotus Field. and those. So then that's the two defining decks of the format. And I would also have to test how Lotus, like how much having no more lies actually changes the matchup because mm-hmm. it's not insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like that card's very good. Sure. My number two is a favoritism pick. It's Insidious Roots. Sure. I love this card. Yeah. It's so fantastic. It it sparks all the joy. Uh, this is a card we haven't read yet, so I'll actually read it. Uh, it is <laughs> <laughs> green, black enchantment. Creature tokens you control have tap at a man of any color. Uh, and then whenever one or more creature cards leave your graveyard, create an 0-1 plant creature token, and then put a plus one plus one counter on each plant you control. Not just plant tokens, so it even works with the uh, the, the Bloomkin we mentioned earlier. <laughs> yeah, or if you've already got a Colony, colony yeah. Garden token. Or a Cultivator Colossus. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's, there's so many plants. <laughs> uh, this card is a, a combo-tastic card. I saw someone at the RC... Sarah had shared a, uh, a deck list where they were just playing a bunch of Insidious Roots so that they could combo the mirror without being interrupted by Yawgmoth, which is actually kind of difficult. But the way this works is if you can cauldron a ballista and you have a young wolf, you can have an, an Insidious Roots in play. You can have the young wolf ping itself. It goes to the graveyard without a counter. It comes back, which triggers the Roots. The Roots makes a plant token with a counter on it. So now you're at the board state where Young Wolf has a counter and the plant has a counter. You can remove the counter from the plant to shoot your opponent, and you can remove the counter from your Young Wolf to shoot the Young Wolf and do the whole process again. So that's an infinite that they can't break up by using their own Yawgmoth. Hmm. It also just counts as your second undying creature when you're doing a more normal Yawgmoth combo. Yeah, you you don't have you don't need a second Young Wolf or Shrink Geist or a Hepatra. You can just start putting counters on plants or sacking the plants to put counters on the young wolf sack the young wolf yep. etc etc uh, it's 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 quite good i also think it's worth building around in you know standard or pioneer 
there you you played a standard deck with the insidious roots which had like a vile spawn spider loop i believe yeah loop, that like, was the deck sick. list the Vile Spawn Spider, which, you know, I, I think you're probably trying to simplify the deck a little bit more, but that cauldron with a Vile Spawn Spider on it, and then you just kept making spiders that had haste with Tyvar and this thing let tap them for mana. tap yeah. for mana, like, and, and so you just had an infinite. It, it, it was really cool. Yeah, it, it, it was a very cool deck. I wanted to play it at like NRC, I just couldn't get all the cards in time. Yeah. RCQ, excuse me. I wasn't playing it. <laughs> it's like a, a modern <laughs> RC with <laughs> just insidious roots deck. And I also want to try it in Pioneer. Like the, the cauldron combo is works yeah. really well with this, just like it is with Chalk Outline. And th there's just like a lot of cool build around stuff where I think this card is, you know, while it doesn't really do anything by itself on its face like you can't turn to and your opponent's like oh no insidious roots this is really going to do something it you just like have to do setup thing and then insidious roots does stuff and but it does stuff really well yeah and it it really starts snowballing if if they don't deal with the stuff if you just go cat oven and then you play this and then you start cat ovening if your opponent doesn't break it up they you're you're triggering this at least once every turn and just like putting an enormous board into play or or even if they break it up too late like right you at least got several plants out of the deal and that's a board that your normally cat combo is not you know flush with board state but insatiate actually does fix that yep yeah uh, it's a neat card i by far my favorite card i've been looking to build around this set i unfortunately only <laughs> we i have a friend we or we have a friend josh who works at a local store he gets first dibs on anything that comes through the store. <laughs> so when I when I went to purchase the city's fruits, there was one of the version I wanted <laughs> because the store had opened five, and Josh also wanted the same version. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which version? I, I like I like the magnify one. Okay, I think they're both good, but I like the magnify one, the one with Tristani on it. I like that one more. Just... So I currently own three fancy insidious roots and one normal one <laughs> so i'll have to fix that in one direction or the other yeah but i do plan on playing it it's a it's a very cool card cape fear does not have any showcase ones unfortunately because i'm putting in a cape fear order pretty soon i would have just added any that they had but yeah incredibly cool card and and definitely just hilarious with tyvar giving the tokens haste and you just like keep going after doing stuff within a standard and seeing other versions of it in standard, I suspect that in standard you have to play too many bad cards to make it yeah. work. And in other, or at least as the decks are currently built, like maybe something down the line has that cat combo thing where you don't right. have to put as many bad cards in your deck. But right now, yeah, it's just a mess. We're, we're in a waiting room for something like that. I think it, in standard, um, but I am all like immediately interested in it in older formats that have already playable kits of things that that combo with it whether that's cat combo or underworld cookbook and that's very exciting that it works so well or or just you know all the yawkmoth stuff there's there's really cool things that are already good and get going with this this is the main thing i want to try to do in pioneer next season like if I can have a reasonable time into blue white control. This is the thing I want to be doing. Sure. 
And we'll see if that happens. You know, I've got months to figure it out. So here's the thing. Blue Way Control and oh, Pioneer. Don't, don't crush my dreams. I'm not ready for it. Four temporary lockdowns. Let's move on to my number one card. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just like line of the guild pack. Yeah. Uh it's I, I don't like it, but I do recognize that it had an incredible weekend this past weekend. It's already proven itself, right? And it is good. Like it as long as people can cheat the ley lines into play and have relevant game text off of them. And this is the one with the most relevant game text that doesn't include the text of the card, which is that it is all colors. <laughs> uh, I think it'll continue to be like something you can try to do. Hopefully that's a flash in the plan. I don't think the the combo of like Scion of Draco and Leyline is so insurmountably good that you can just, you know, right. I, I think this will eventually go away, but it is annoying that it exists at all. And you can still try to combo it with stuff like Valakut. Uh, if you want to do that, but you know that that requires building different kinds of decks, and people haven't really gotten into it yet. I hope it doesn't become a thing, but it feels like it's poised to become a thing anyway. Yeah. On the bright side of the the rhinos thing is that putting Cyan of Draco and Leyline in your deck does nothing to fix the like I can't beat Living End problem, uh, except for in like makes very it worse weird games. So uh, you know uh, that that's one thing at least belt you know making it not Hogak at, at a very minimum. But it is very frustrating to be on a, like, hey, my creatures are bigger than yours. Like, that, that's how I beat Rhinos. And it's just like, no, you can't beat these things in combat. It's impossible. I do think it's funny that you mentioned Living End is a great counter to Rhinos now, which is true. It's It's always been very good against Rhinos. But... Again, my problem really with this modern is, with the is cascade. I'm so tired of Cascade. That's <laughs> not helping me. <laughs> Come on. Living End is also a Cascade deck. As I was, you know, posting about my, like, any piece of information, therefore play Living End thing, you know, Living End was clearly the best modern deck this weekend. <laughs> clearly. It was I mean, clear to see. Any, the signs were there. You just had to look. Yeah. <laughs> so every once in a while, any piece of information About twice a day, is correct. Say? Yeah. <laughs> At least uh, approximately twice a day, yes. Okay, yeah. That's it. That's all the cards. Yeah. We've done all the cards. We've done all, and all we, the cards. We even got some modern stuff in there. Yeah. You know, shoehorned at the end. Boy, they really did black dirty in this set. That's they really did. upsetting that the best two cards are just a spot removal spell and a wrath. That's the only cards that are relevant. But that's okay, because if we look at the uh, the standard metagame, we just look that's, at the top 10 that's, decks, that's eight true. of them are black. Black is so. already... But yeah, that's, that's really true, actually. It didn't need anything. So, no. fair enough. Like, oh no, black suffered so hard this set. Oh, let me just pick up all of my black cards. I'm still playing constantly. <laughs> I guess my opponent will continue to cast turn to Deep Cavern Bat every single game of this format. Yeah, I might my card will get cut down at some point. That will be a fact of life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's it for us with our MKM set review. We will be back. Uh next week is going to be uh, like right before the pro tour. And I've actually asked Mark to come back and talk to us about Perfect. his prep for the tournament and give us a little preview of that. So that should be pretty fun. Will you refresh 
mine and the listener's uh, memory on what the format of the Pro Tour is? The Pro Tour is Pioneer, because the last oh, yeah. RC was Pioneer. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, at least it's not modern, right? We just we just watched that. So I do like it when the formats are not the same, but I also do think it would be rather interesting to see if the leyline like Rhino deck could be adapted from or into. Mm -hmm. And then you can see how that changes, which is interesting for approximately one tournament. And if it doesn't change, if people just play a bunch of leyline Rhino right. decks, then it's then garbage, you have the so. worst top eight you've ever seen in your entire life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like five rhinos, two living ends and an amulet deck that's squeaked in. Yeah. But that is it for us. We will see y'all next week. Have a great week. Bye.